This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. In a joint statement, the leaders of America, Canada, and Mexico condemned violent riots in Brazil by supporters of Jair Bolsonaro, a former president. Meanwhile, some of Joe Biden's fellow Democrats asked him to expel Mr. Bolsonaro from their country. He is currently in hospital in Florida with abdominal pain. Police in Brazil have arrested around 1,500 people involved in the storming of government buildings in the capital, Brasilia, on January 8th. Russia's budget deficit widened to a record 3.3 trillion rubles, $47 billion, for 2022, according to its finance ministry. The country has offset the costs of its invasion of Ukraine with gas and oil revenues, maintaining a budget surplus for most of the year. But European restrictions on Russian energy imports and the G7's oil price cap pushed its budget to new depths in December. The EU and NATO signed a joint declaration, the first since 2018, to tighten cooperation against security threats and challenges presented by Russia and China. The agreement is a formal recognition of the stronger ties forged between the two organizations since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But it was long postponed by fears that the EU's foray into defense policy would undermine NATO's role. Russian forces are probably in control of most of Solodar, a town near Bakhmut in Ukraine's eastern Donbass region, according to Britain's defense ministry. Russia and mercenaries from the Wagner Group may now turn their attention to capturing Bakhmut. Earlier, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said Solodar's walls were knocked flat and its ground littered with Russian corpses as Ukraine repelled the attack. America's greenhouse gas emissions increased by 1.3% in 2022, according to estimates from Rhodium Group, a research firm. That puts emissions back on their long-term trajectory of slowly declining growth after the pandemic, which caused an abrupt drop in 2020 and then a sharp uptick of 6% in 2021. The relative amount of emissions produced by economic activity also appears to be decreasing. China stopped issuing short-term visas for visitors from Japan and South Korea in retaliation for the two countries imposing COVID-19 restrictions on Chinese travelers. China's embassy in Seoul said it would adjust its policy if South Korea lifted discriminatory entry restrictions. Meanwhile, Pfizer said it would begin manufacturing Paxlovid, an antiviral drug that fights COVID in China, within three to four months. The cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase announced it will sack about 950 employees, or 20% of its workforce, in its third set of redundancies since June. The crypto sector lost more than $1 trillion last year amid rising interest rates and the fallout from the collapse of FTX, another exchange. Coinbase's CEO warned of further contagion and blamed unscrupulous actors, a thinly-veiled swipe at Sam Bankman-Fried, 
FTX's former boss. And fact of the day. At least 3,000. The number of people kidnapped last year in Nigeria, an almost 30-fold increase on 2016. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. FTX goes back to bankruptcy court. John Ray, the current head of FTX, the now-defunct cryptocurrency exchange founded by Sam Bankman-Fried, will return to Delaware on Wednesday for the next phase of bankruptcy proceedings. FTX, along with many companies that made up Mr. Bankman-Fried's crypto empire, was put into bankruptcy on November 11th, after failing to meet withdrawal requests from the exchange by customers. Some one million creditors have since filed claims against the firm for assets worth as much as $8 billion. The bankruptcy proceedings are occurring in tandem with criminal proceedings against Mr. Bankman-Fried. On January 3rd, he pleaded not guilty to several criminal fraud charges. On Monday, he was dealt a blow when it was revealed that Nisad Singh, the former chief engineer at FTX, is seeking a plea deal. Carolyn Ellison, the boss of Alameda, a hedge fund that Mr. Bankman-Fried founded and majority owned, and Gary Wang, the co-founder of FTX, have already struck plea deals with the prosecution in exchange for information. Mr. Bankman-Fried's criminal trial will commence in October. Several Types of Turmoil in Brazil This week, protesters in Brazil will investigate how thousands of supporters of Jair Bolsonaro, the right-wing former president, were able to storm Congress, the presidential palace, and the Supreme Court on Sunday. Prosecutors are likely to focus on how the rampage was financed and why security forces in Brasilia, the capital, failed to stop it. Protesters believe that an election in October, won by Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, a leftist former president, was stolen. Shared outrage might help Lula enact much-needed economic reforms, but the boost to that agenda, if any, will be brief. The economy is weak. Just how weak may become more apparent on Wednesday, when November's retail sales will be reported. The central bank expects real economic growth of just 1% in 2023. It is being held back by rising interest rates and by concerns about the fiscal crunch Brazil is facing. Lula's government has promised a new fiscal framework to reduce the budget deficit and a tax reform. Australia may avoid a recession yet again. Figures released on Wednesday will show whether Australia is bringing inflation under control. It hit 6.9% in the year to October 2022, down from a 32-year high of 7.3% in September. That may have been a temporary reprieve. The Reserve Bank of Australia predicts that inflation will peak at around 8% before easing throughout 2023. Even so, the lucky country is living up to its nickname. Though painful, its inflation rate is well below the average for members of the OECD, a club of mostly rich countries. 
Its economy is bearing up despite several rounds of monetary tightening. Central bankers predict that it will grow by about 1.5% this year in real terms, even as many other economies tip into recession. That is thanks in part to its energy riches and to immigration rebounding after the pandemic. Australia went almost 30 years without a recession before the pandemic triggered a brief one in 2020. It will probably dodge the coming global downturn, too. Grim Times at Goldman Sachs The mood is gloomy at Goldman Sachs. The bank is expected to sack up to 3,200 employees on Wednesday, its biggest round of layoffs since the financial crash in 2008. Those who keep their jobs will see similar bonuses later this month. Even the premium workplace coffee is reportedly no longer free. Higher interest rates and fears of recession are slowing down deal-making on Wall Street. Goldman's cuts will hit its investment banking and trading units particularly hard. Rival investment banks have shed staff, too. But Goldman's plight is more acute because of Marcus, a consumer lending venture that has lost money since its launch in 2016. In October, Marcus was reshuffled for the third time in almost as many years to help downplay some of its losses. Goldman is also having to cut because it has grown fat. David Solomon, its chief executive since 2018, hired aggressively, but then did not carry out the usual annual purge of underperformers during the pandemic. Now Goldman seems to be making up for lost time. A new telling of Shamima Begum's story. Before Islamic State was defeated in 2019, more than 41,000 foreigners traveled to Syria and Iraq to join its self-proclaimed caliphate. Shamima Begum, a British schoolgirl, was one of them. Aged 15, she became a jihadist's child bride. Britain revoked her citizenship four years later in 2019, leaving her stateless. Miss Begum's lawyers are challenging this ruling, arguing that she was trafficked by IS. I'm Not a Monster, the Shamima Begum story, a podcast released on Wednesday on BBC Sounds, scrutinizes the teenager's choices. After more than a year of extensive interviews with Miss Begum, who is now living in a Syrian refugee camp, Joshua Baker, an investigative journalist, reenacts her journey to Syria in an attempt to find out what really happened and how to interpret her story. Is she a vulnerable teenager who was groomed by jihadists or a national security threat culpable for her actions? You do not accept that you did join a terrorist group? asks Mr. Baker in the first episode. Yes, she says. I did. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers, and as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. 
In Greek mythology, what was the collective name given to the children of Uranus and Gaia? Tuesday. What name did Plato give to the group of people who would rule his ideal republics? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Abraham Joshua Heschel, who was born on this day in 1907. Man is a messenger who forgot the message. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.